Take your Bibles and turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. This term and this semester has gone by so quickly, and I cannot believe that this coming Sunday is my last time with the freshman class. I will tell you, the freshman class has been such a joy, and their officers, all of their officers have been outstanding. Uh, it has been a real joy to work with DJ, I, I will tell you. And I will tell you too, where is DJ right now? He probably went back to his room. No, DJ, <laughs> DJ I got to tell you though, this would be also true. That's about the first time I've ever seen you without words to say. <laughs> DJ's always got something to say. I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Numbers chapter, Numbers chapter 13. We have been doing a series the juniors will probably remember it, but probably not. It was three years ago. What would they remember? But um, we're doing a series. Last year, our freshman class, our sophomores, obviously left. So I think I did one or two messages on it. But we've been doing a series on marks of maturity with the freshmen. And I want to talk about the last mark today. Because this is, to me, very, very important. You know, as, as the group was singing... Uh, on the song on grace, I thought to myself, there is no person and no thing in your life that God can't work with. God can work and give you grace. If you're struggling with your thought life, you can have victory over that. God can give you grace and you can see victory. You got a problem with your anger? God can help. You got a problem with worry? God can give you grace. You can have victory. But there is one person that limits the grace of God. That one person is a quitter. If you give up, you can never experience the rest of the grace that God has for you. You can't quit. You cannot give up. And we've been doing a series on marks of maturity on Sunday nights, and we've talked about not being so sensitive, being balanced in your life, uh, all different kinds of things that we've been talking about, marks of maturity. But I want to talk about the last one tonight. And this isn't just for freshmen. This is for sophomores and juniors. As a matter of fact, juniors, you may need this today more than any freshman in here. I will tell you, if you quit... God cannot work with a quitter. He can work with any kind of person, but he can't work with a quitter. I believe a true mark of a mature believer is one who does not give up, is one who's not, who does not quit. I love Numbers 13 for this passage to preach on don't quit. And the reason why is because where Israel was right then when this terrible thing occurred, Israel was literally on the shores of the promised land. They had gone through so much. They had seen so much. They had been, God had revealed himself to them in so many ways. But they were not yet at the place that God had promised. And they are at the edge of the promised land. And college students, they give up. We've been doing this for 40 years. I'll tell you what just kills us. Our students that come to Bible college for a period of time, God's worked with them. God has done some things in their life. They've had a tough time. 
We're going to talk about that today. They, they've gone through struggles, but they've seen so many things, and they're right there. They're like, oh, take the step. Don't give up now. Come back. And it isn't just about coming back to college. It's in so, don't give up on the roommate. Don't, don't give up on, uh, on, on a certain situation in your life. Don't give up on a dream that God has given to you. You're right there. But you see the giants. You see the obstacles. And you quit. And you give up. I want to talk to you today about don't quit. Don't quit no matter the circumstances. Don't quit no matter the cost. Don't quit no matter the casualties. And don't quit no matter the challenge. Allow God to speak to your heart today about being a man and being a woman. Because if you want to know a real mark of maturity, a mature individual doesn't give up. A mature individual doesn't quit on what God has for them. And we've been talking to the freshmen all, all semester on marks of maturity, and we end it here today. But I want to encourage all of you, don't quit. We look at Numbers chapter 13. We begin in verse number one, and, and Moses is going to send them out. Um, and the Lord spoke to him and said, so send thou men that they may search the land, verse number two, of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. It is a promise. So I look at this. You remember when the disciples got on the boat, uh, when the, the storm came that one night, and the, and the Lord said when they got in the boat, let's get in the boat and go over to the other side. That was a promise. We're going to the other side. It doesn't matter what's going to happen from here on this side of Galilee to the other side of Galilee, but we're going to the other side. That's a promise because I said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. That's kind of like this. God did not send these spies out to go check it out and say, hey, are you guys going to be able to handle this or not? No. Bring back the fruit of the land. What was supposed to happen was a prep rally. They were supposed to bring back the fruit of the land and say, this, is, this place is unbelievable. This, by the way, you, you hear the phrase, a land flowing with, everyone together, a land flowing with? Okay, if you have milk, you got to have cows. And if you got cows, you got to have grass. So this is a land that's got herds everywhere and it's got grass everywhere. Whatever you're thinking of Israel today, it wasn't like that back then. Now, they're starting to make Israel bloom like the rose again. But back in this day, this place was a garden. You can't have a land flowing with milk without a lot of cattle and a lot of grass. And then flowing with milk and honey. honey. If you're going to have honey, you got to have bees. And if, you gotta, if you're going to have bees, you got to have flowers and blossoms. This had to be an incredible land. It was every, and they were supposed to bring back the fruit of the land. By the way, they did. You know, they bring back a cluster of grapes that two men have to hold on a pole. That's unbelievable. This was a land flowing with milk and honey. But they were supposed to search it out. Uh, every, but then now notice the people that went. I think this is interesting. Everyone, a ruler among them. So these are the 12 leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel that went in to check out this land. And we see all these different leaders. Then look at verse 18. And see the land, what it is. 
and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak. Now Moses has given them, hey, come back and give us a report. What's going on in there? Few or many. Not whether or not we're going to go or not, but let's get a strategy. We may have some things. Hey, the promised land is not heaven. The promised land is the victorious Christian life. And in the victorious Christian life, there's Jerichos. In the victorious Christian life, there's Ai's. In the victorious Christian life, the sun has to stand still. In the victorious Christian life, there's a lot of battles. Verse 19, see if it be good or bad. You bring back the thing and let's get excited. Verse 20, and right in the middle, and be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Hey, guys, come back and give these people a good report. We may be seeing some obstacles, but it's okay. God's already promised us the land. Now we go to verse 27. And they told him and said, we came unto the land, whether thou sent us, and surely they floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak. The Malachites dwell in the land of the, of the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites shall be by the sea. And they had the electric lights and the mosquito bites. I mean, they were all over there. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. And possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Let's go forward by faith. Man, do you have any idea what's going on there? Do you have any idea what I have gone through this year, Dr. Shetler? This has probably not been the best year of my life. Hey, join the millions of us all, okay? Man, this has been tough going to college. This has been hard. I'm thinking that maybe God doesn't want me any longer to continue. You know, the circumstances haven't been that good. You know, this is a pretty big challenge. Do you have any idea of the cost? And you know, I heard there's some others that are leaving too. Let's talk about this. We're not done yet though. So look what happened. So he still, he stilled the people and he says, come on, let's go look at verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land. That was not their job, which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Yeah, there was just one sight they didn't take in, God's sight. Verse number one, and all the congregation lifted up their voice, and they cried, and the people wept that night, and they gave up. Look down at verse number nine. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Come on, God promised you this land. Do not go against this. I don't care how far you've gone so far. You cannot stop now. The Lord is with us. Fear them not. We can't quit now. Father, I pray that every student in here, I have no idea what area it might be in their life. It might be overcoming a sin. They can't give up. Some of them have struggled with their thought life for five, six years of their life. And they just think that they are, they are imprisoned to think bad thoughts the rest of their life. Father, I pray that they won't give up. 
on their sanctification. There are students in here that have struggled with another individual on this campus. And Lord, they have given up now and they said, you know what? Whatever, I'm going to go my way. Father, today, convict them not to give up and get right and ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness and continue to move on and love people. Father, there's some students in here that are thinking about quitting. Father, I do not believe it's disobedience to leave a place if you're calling, but it's always disobedience to quit a place. Father, I pray that we won't have quitters in the student body. I pray that we'll have some students with some grit. Father, we cannot experience your grace if we give up on your grace. We'll never know what your grace could do in our lives if we give up. Father, one thing I pray today, that the Spirit of God would stir the soul of the students of this student body not to quit and never to give up. Lord, the other day when Cody Cool was preaching, I wasn't here when he was a student, but I just got a feeling he had a tough time at college here. But Lord, he didn't quit. And you're using him so mightily right now. Lord, I can't even imagine how many times Pastor Chapel has thought about quitting. But Lord, we are all blessed today because he didn't. And Father, I believe that there are people that we have never met that we will never bless if we quit, if we give up, there will be people that will never be ministered to, that will never have received proper training from a Christian disciple because we quit Bible college. God, I pray we won't quit. You brought us here, Lord. You got us here. May we finish what you have for us here. And we'll give you the praise and glory. We ask these things in the name who's worth going forward for. In the name of the one who didn't quit on Calvary. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And God's people said, number one, don't quit no matter the circumstances. Now this is not what they expected. And whenever you mix circumstances with expectations, you will never find the will of God for your life. Never mix your expectations with circumstances. Because, well, I expected it to be different. I expected this to happen in the room. I expected this to be this way. I expected this. You know what? You need to put your expectations on the altar. And get your expectations, Psalm 62, verse 5, from God. And whatever you do, do not mix your expectations with your circumstances. That is the worst combination to ever find the will of God. Moses is standing before God and he says, hey man, you're going to have to give me something. You're going to have to give me some kind of sign that you're telling me, all right, you've, I've got a name now, Jehovah. I am that I am. But you're going to have to do something for me. If you want an 80-year-old man to go back into Egypt and to get Israel out of Egypt, you're going to have to give me a sign. And God says, okay, I'll give you a sign. Well, good, because I need something, and I need something big. Okay, I'll give you a big one. I'll give you a token. Okay, well, it better be a good token, because I need some circumstances. Okay, here's the sign. You will know that it was my will that you were to go to Egypt and get Israel out of Egypt because you will be back at this mountain 
with three million Jews. What? Well, how does that help me? If I end up back here with three million Jews, I'll know it was you. Yep. Now, some of you are going like, I do not catch this, Brother Shetler. Yeah, that's because you live by circumstances. You know what God says? I'll give you circumstances, but circumstances won't direct you. They'll confirm what I've already directed. Now, there's a big difference between following circumstances and allowing circumstances to confirm that which God has done. Because then it may not necessarily be favorable circumstances that do it, but will confirm it. Doc, I'm not following. I'm just not following. Okay, here's the deal. There have been times that I know God has led me in a certain way. And after I've taken that step, circumstances fell apart. They were terrible. Did that help you? It did. Apparently, Satan doesn't want me doing this. I'll give you a, a guy's name. I don't know if you remember him or not. His name is Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. Excuse the English. Ain't nobody in this room has had one of those experiences. Beaten, how many times? Shipwrecked, how many times? Left as dead, how many times? It's unbelievable. It is the most incredible list of things that happened wrong. I mean, wouldn't you think Paul would kind of get the, hey, Paul, every time you go into a city, everything goes bad. Are you sure you're in the middle of God's will? <laughs> I know I'm in the middle of God's will because everything goes bad. Satan can't stand what I'm doing. You know what? You guys are looking to circumstances to de determine everything. So I'm 18 years old. Pastor Delbert Nixon of Traverse City Baptist, Bible Baptist Church says, Jimmy, where are you going to college? I said, hey, Pastor Nixon, I got a scholarship at Michigan State University. It's not much, but I got a speech scholarship at Michigan State University. Jimmy, you're not going to go to MSU. I'm not? No, no, no. You need to think about going to a Christian college, a Bible college. Oh, no, here it comes. He's going to talk about liberty because he's good friends with Jerry Falwell, and he's, it's 1974, and he's going to tell me that I'm supposed to go to liberty. Well, I'm not going to liberty because that place is way too strict for me. I'll never be able to head on liberty. They got all kinds of rules there and everything. I know he's not going to mention this place called Bob Jones because that's like prison. Okay, so I know that ain't going to happen. And he says, Jimmy, you ought to consider going to liberty. And I said, no, man, I'm not, I'm, I, I just don't think that's me. I, I just don't think that's going to work for me, you know. So we go through this. We go through the graduation, high school graduation from a public school, president of the student body of a public school. Yeah, that means I wasn't the testimony I should have been, basically. And um, I'm in church, and we're playing, a, we have a little ping pong thing, and pastor calls me down. To his office and he lays a, cal a, a catalog he says Jimmy you ought to look at this place and I, I looked at I, I saw the front of it and I, I'm being honest I thought it said Pepsi-Cola Christian College I did I never heard of Pepsi-Cola before in my life and I thought it said Pepsi-Cola Christian College and I said yeah I don't think that's happening 
And uh, so I took it, I looked at it, and I said, wow, these pictures are great. The college must be right on the beach. Man, all these pictures are of the beach. And look at the price, it's fabulous. Whoa, it wasn't the way I thought it was. Guys, I arrived at a place that I had to get three haircuts in 24 hours. I came down with hair down in the middle of my back, I had a ponytail. And they, I got a haircut, I got a haircut, and then I got a haircut. I hadn't seen my ears since fifth grade. When I got a haircut, I'd worked construction that summer. Everyone on campus called me albino ears because from here back, it was white. I had this tan face and from here back, because I hadn't seen my ear. Look at those things. I didn't know I had those. They had rules. Like you had to go to bed at 10.30. That's when I woke up. They said I had to wear these things around my neck called ties. I'd never worn a tie in my life. I never had a pair of pants that didn't have patches on it. Guys, can I tell you something? It wasn't the circumstances that I thought. It wasn't the way I thought it was going to be. Boy, was it a culture shock for me. I thought I was in the middle of a cult. I thought this is unbelievable. That what is this place? But I knew my mom and dad divorced when I was 14. When I went off to college, mom said to me, Jimmy, I don't want to see you till Christmas. <laughs> that, was a good, that was good advice. Don't you come back. Because I was like, but I'm going to come back as a cult member. I mean, this place is unbelievable. They're going to brainwash me. You know they did? My brain finally got washed by the preaching of God's word. College students, if you only do the background I came from and the circumstances I went into and only thought, God, what am I staying here for? You don't quit because of circumstances. Some of you have had some tough times happen this year. You don't quit because the circumstances haven't been good, college students. You stick with it, man. You don't give up. And no matter the circumstances, Paul had terrible circumstances occur in his life, but that just guided him. That just directed him. Joshua and Caleb come back and say, okay, we saw some big boys over there. Yeah, there's some giants there. But guys, God promised us us. If you start allowing circumstances to determine you right now, I'll tell you this, I feel sorry for your mate. I feel sorry for your children. I feel sorry for your future pastor. Because if you start the road of quitting because of circumstances, it doesn't stop down that highway, guys. At some point in your life, you got to say, you know what? Circumstances are not going to determine what God's will for my life is. God's calling on my life, God's word in my life, and God's peace in my life is what's going to determine it. Don't you quit because of circumstances. Number two, don't you quit because of the cost. Don't you quit because of the cost. I don't care if it's financial. Can I just tell you this statement on this point? Anything valuable in life is going to cost something. Anything that's valuable, that relationship with that girl, that thing you do, that job, anything that is valuable in your life is going to cost something. So can I encourage you, don't quit because of the cost, because you may be at the edge of seeing the most valuable thing in your life. I, 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 I just hate to tell these stories, but I just feel like you, did, I, you need to hear them. 
So between my junior and senior year, I got a really cool honor. I got to travel with a traveling group as the preacher of the group. They had never allowed students before to preach or to, to travel with groups as speakers, but obviously as singers. And I traveled with a group, a girl named Peggy Mims, who married a great preacher, a guy named Mark Smith, who's the registrar now at PCC, a guy named Scott Burt, who ends up later on in life having a son named Nathan Burt. And uh, I traveled with Nathan's father for a summer and a girl named Marilee Kratz, and a faculty member. She was, the, uh, she was our piano player, she was an instructor in music, and she was the leader of the group because we were all students, and I was the preacher. It was the most incredible summer. It was unbelievable what God did in our lives and in the places that we went. It was a summer that changed my life. Marilee, when we started the summer, here goes, was engaged to one of my best friends at college. Dr. Shelley, you stole Mary Lee? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what all the student body thought as well when we got back that fall. That's not what happened. I didn't do one thing on that summer tour, nor did Mary Lee, that would have been, a, a, that wasn't above reproach. We never, we never did anything. We never wrote, about three weeks into it, Merrily, we saw that the ring was off. I got to tell you one thing that was really funny. We went to this one church in Michigan, in Bridgeport, Michigan, and they had this real young preacher that had all kinds of hair. His name was R.B. Roulette. And uh, <laughs> if you've seen R.B. now, it's not, but he, was, he, had, I mean, he had this beautiful blonde hair back then. And we went out to dinner afterwards at a place called Shoney's, and we're sitting down, and Pastor Roulette notices that Merrily's got a, a, a ring on her finger. An engagement ring. And she, he says, are you engaged? And she sheepishly said yes. And then he said to this guy right here, and that was me. And, and, and we're like, no, no. Oh, I don't know. R.B. Ouellette said this. He said, I think both of you guys are going to get together someday. <laughs> so whatever that was all about. Merrily didn't hear from the man. I got to tell you, the guy was a very spiritual guy on campus, probably one of the most well-liked guys on campus. He really was. And he was a very spiritual guy. But I got to tell you what, he was not the guy to marry Merrily, and Merrily was not to be his wife. About two, three weeks into the tour, she took the ring off and sent it back. And there was so many things with that. But I got to tell you, when I got back to college, it was like the soap opera of all soap operas. Shelley, you stole Mary Lee from Stan. Like, what in the world, man? What kind of guy are you? I'm going, I didn't do nothing. I mean, we just, we lived together in a van for 12 weeks. You kind of get to know someone, you know? And I, I remember one time, one night at a hotel, I walked out and I said, Lord, I knew that I would never marry Mary Lee, but I said, Lord, I pray that one day I'll marry a woman like Mary Lee. Man, what vision, what a godly woman. And man, is she beautiful. I said, Lord, that's what I want to marry someday. Lord said, okay, I will make that happen. Well, I got to tell you, we come back and it's terrible. I mean, we try to date and everyone's talking about, it's just the worst thing on the campus you ever see. Can you imagine rumors on a campus? <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> Whoa. I was a floor leader at Dorm Soup. And we had responsibilities at chapel. We would take turns every week that we would be lock up. We'd sweep the floors, making sure everybody was out. And um, I'm, um, 
walking one day to chapel. I'm the floor leader, so the dorm soup, and, and I got to make sure all the guys' uh, dorms are swept out, nobody's in them, and we lock them. And I'm walking over by myself, and I just can't handle this any longer. It's just too much drama for me. And I just say, you know what? I really think I love this girl, but I don't think it's worth it. I just don't think this is worth it. I just think I just need to give up. I just think we just need to move on. Marilyn needs to either go back to Stan or whatever. It's not worth it. And I'm walking across campus by myself. And I just did a thing. I always did it. It's my senior year. I did it all four years that whenever I saw trash on a campus, I picked up the trash. If I saw a piece of paper, I always picked it up. You know why? Because I felt it was my campus. And by the way, this is your place. Make it look nice. Don't be throwing trash around. Pick it up. This is where you live. And so I thought that. So wherever I was, and I'm walking, and I'm crying. Because I'm going to break up with Mary Lee because I've had it. It's not worth it. It's just cost way too much. And I just want to finish my senior year. And God will have somebody else for me. And it's just not worth it. And I'm walking across the soccer field. And as I'm walking across the soccer field, there's a piece, a little piece of white paper being blown by the wind. And I said out loud, I ain't picking it up, Lord. I ain't picking it up. And I keep walking. I look back, and the wind's blowing this thing away from me. I'm picking it up. This is stupid. Oh, I got to go pick it up. And I run. The thing blows away. It's one of those, you know, finally, I grab a hold of the piece of paper, and I turn it over. It's blank on one side and on the other. It has a portion of a scripture. Judges 8.4, faint yet pursuing. College student, I am not lying to you. I picked up that piece of trash, and there is a scripture that was calligraphied on there. Faint yet pursuing. And I got on my knees on that soccer field, and I said, God, I'm not giving up on Marilee. Lord, that's the greatest thing outside of my salvation you ever brought into my life. And I'm not going to quit no matter the cost. College student, what is it that is so valuable to you? Don't give it up. If he gave you that dream at 14 to be a missionary, faint yet pursuing, don't quit no matter the circumstances. Don't quit no matter the cost. Very quickly, I wanted to mention this. Don't quit no matter the casualties. There will be times that people will drop by the wayside. You can't quit because of that. In Judges chapter 20, there is a Levite traveling with his concubine. He stops in a city in Benjamin, in Gibeah. And there, there the men of, of, uh, of this city of Benjamin, of the tribe of Benjamin, rape this woman all night long and she dies. The Levite takes the woman and cuts her up into 11 pieces and sends her pieces throughout the tribes of Israel. This is what the tribe of Benjamin did. They all come together and they say, that's it, man. Benjamin, I don't care, you're our brothers. You are in trouble. We're fighting against you for what you did. You've become so wicked. Everyone was wicked back then. 
But they all join together. They, and they ask God if they should go. God says, go. And the first day, Benjamin beats their tails. Benjamin destroys them. They all come back and they go, oh, no, we quit. What happened? Oh, oh. And they go to God again and God says, go again. They go again and they lose again. They go, God, you want us to quit? No, go again. And the third time, they defeat Benjamin. There's a lot of casualties along the way. Let me tell you why those casualties were there. To purify the nation of Israel. Everyone, because many of you are going into ministry. You're going to see people leave the church. You're going to see people leave the church that you're ministering in. You've heard me say this before. Don't you leave on someone else's red wagon. Don't you pick up other people's offenses. You stay where God has placed you, no matter the casualties. And you will find that some of those times, those people had to move on. God was going to do a work in that church, and they had to move on. They had to clear out. I'm telling you, I pastored for 25 years. I lost very few people in the 25 years. I pastored all combined close to 10,000 people in my life. And I want to tell you something. I can count on two hands how many families I've left lost after 10,000 people. Seriously. But the ones I did lose needed to go. They needed to go. Let me tell you, there will be casualties, college students. Don't you quit because there's casualties. Don't you quit because somebody that you like on this campus may not be back next semester. Don't you let that affect you. And don't you quit. Don't you quit because of circumstances. Don't you quit because of cost. Don't you quit because of casualties. And number four, and we're done. Don't quit because of the challenge. Don't give up just because it's a challenge. So I'm a freshman. It's late October. I'm sleeping. I'm laying. It's, uh, it's an afternoon. And I'm laying on my top bunk. And I get the, the worst dose of homesickness you ever heard, you ever seen in your life. I'm a freshman, I can't stand ties, I can't stand my hair, I can't stand the rules. I just wanna go home. I start thinking about my mom's cooking, I wanna go home. I start thinking about fall and those big leaves and I just tell you, man, Northwest Florida does not look like Northern Michigan in the fall, let me just tell you. And I'm thinking of those big oak leaves coming down and I'm thinking of football and I am just so missing home. And I'm laying up on the top of my bunk, and I'm crying. And I just said, man, I just want to go home. I am so done with college. I don't like this place. I don't like the rules. I don't like any of this stuff. I just want to go home. And I'm laying up on that bunk bed, and I think about my dog. And that got me more homesick. I have an 80-pound black lab named Sam. And Sam was like the greatest dog in the world. When you came from Leelanau County, what made you popular wasn't how good an athlete you were. What made you popular wasn't the pretty girl that you dated, because there were none. But what made you popular was having a good hunting dog. And if you had a good hunting dog in Leelanau County, you were popular. I had the best hunting dog in Leelanau County. Sam was incredible retriever. He was a Labrador, and he had a soft mouth. He didn't destroy the ducks. He would bring them in. He retrieved. He brought, he brought rabbits to you. He'd bring everything to you. He was just the best. I love Sam, and I'm missing Sam. But Sam and I had a little game we used to play. When I would come back from sports practice, 
I had an old towel that I hung over the rail around our house. We lived on a lake. When Sam would see me coming down the road, I would get dropped off and then I would walk the, the last half mile home every day. And when Sam would get me, he would go over to the, to the balcony and he'd hey, grab hold of the towel. And he'd come walking. And he's walking and he's just wagging his tail and he's got the towel. And I know what we're going to play. We're going to play tug of war. So I get on the one side and Sam's on the other and we start at it. And we're going like that. And Sam's and we go on, and we go about five minutes, and that stupid dog won't let go. And I take him this way, and I take him this way, and he's pulling that thing. And I'll tell you, one day, I took him around to the balcony, and I got it like this, like this, like this, like this, and I picked him up. He's hanging from the towel. Some days, blood would come to his gums, and there was blood in the towel. I mean, but I'll tell you one thing. I never won. Never did I finally get it from Sam. Sam would always at the end go like, okay, this is stupid. And I'd let go and I'd go like, Ugh. I couldn't open my hands. And Sam would take it up. Like I just beat mankind, you know. And I'm laying up in that bed. I'm laying up in that bed. And I'm thinking about Sam. And I just want to go home. And I thought, you know what, Lord? If Sam can hold on to a towel, I can hold on to the calling that you have for me. And God, I don't like this place, but I'm not going to quit. This is the biggest challenge I've ever faced in my life, but I'm not going to quit. And guys, there is something that is far more precious to the Lord than a towel. Get a hold of what God's called you to and college student, don't let go. Hold on, it's worth the cost. Don't you let circumstances determine. Hey, I gotta tell you, there's gonna be casualties. And no matter the challenge, college student, grab a hold onto what God has for you and say, God, no matter what, I will not let go of what you have called me to. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when funds are low and debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh, rest if you must but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and its turns, as every one of us sometimes learn. Often the struggler's given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. You know what? Success is failure turned inside out, the silver lining of clouds of doubt. And you cannot tell how close you are. You may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit. You want to be the man? You want to be the woman God wants you to be? You want to experience the grace of God? Don't quit. Hey, DJ, did you want to walk off the platform this morning? <laughs> didn't you? You say, okay, I'm done. I would just like to walk off right now. But you didn't, did you, DJ? You stayed, and we're glad you did. And I want to tell you something. Don't quit, no matter what. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Why don't you just make your altar, make your seat an altar right now 
if God has spoke to your heart, faint yet pursuing, Lord, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. God, you've spoken to me, and no matter the cir- I'm not going to let circum. Tell God right now, I'm not going to let circumstances determine my life. Uh-uh. God, I'm not going to quit because circumstances get tough. God, the cost is great. Emotionally to me, physically to me, but I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up no matter the cost, and I'm not giving up no matter the challenge, and I'm not giving up no matter the casualties. I'm not jumping on someone else's red wagon. God, you got something for me, and I'm not going to quit. Get on your knees and tell God, God, I'm not going to quit. God, I need your grace. Oh, God, I need your grace, but I'm not going to quit.